0: everybody to be on the shadows i'm author and ghostorian mike ricksecker have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight we're going to be talking about interdimensional hybrids or at least well that's part of the topic we're going to be getting into a lot of different things like extraterrestrials nephilim giants atlanteans uh, and you know even how okay how do they come into Uh, our dimension. How do we interact with these things? How do we perhaps, um, you know, maybe cross DNA, cross breed with them? A lot of different ideas. I'm kind of shooting from the hip on this tonight. It's been an extremely busy week and there's no way for me to break down every single one of these uh, different types of things because each one in and of itself would be its own show. So we're kind of doing uh, really kind of like a basic overview here, talk about some uh, various type of concepts. And of course, I will take all kinds of uh, questions down there from our amazing viewers on Beyond the Shadows, which are joining us from the Connected Universe portal. So for the live stream version of this, which regularly airs Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock p.m., uh, you will find that connection information through ConnectedUniversePortal.com through the uh, the membership side of that. Of course, the audio podcast version is available later on in the week on various platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, and then uh, Saturday nights, KGRA Radio. So, all right, let's go ahead and, well, first of all, cannot forget this. This episode of Beyond the Shadows brought to you by 100 Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. That's for Tim. And we certainly miss our friend Tim. All right. So, interdimensional hybrids, Atlanteans, Anunnaki, gods and goddesses, how do shadow entities play into all of this? Um, Before I get into this whole kind of just like laundry list of different types of beings and entities and what have you that uh, we... Either interact with now maybe they're hidden from us now maybe we interacted with them in our ancient past maybe we even come from some of these things let's kind of talk about how they got here to begin with you know there's a lot of different theories and speculation uh were there devices that they used did they come here from another planet you know there's the idea of the, the planet of Nibiru that's supposed to you know, pass by here every few thousand years and, you know, we interact with them on, on some degrees. What, what really happens here? Well, again, it's kind of, um, you know, speculation and conjecture. We look at the ancient texts and, you know, the texts say one thing. Modern science says, well, those were just stories. You know, number of people out there that try to take those stories and apply something scientific to it to say well it was some sort of technology. Well, let's see. Let's see here. If we look at and I know those listening to the podcast later won't uh, won't really see this, but this is actually an image from NASA itself. Now this is something that scientifically does happen. This is actually a depiction of portal activity not just in our universe, not just in our galaxy, not just in our solar system, it is right there, right outside of Earth. Portals spawning all the time. So they're actually called X-points uh, or electron diffusion regions. This is places where the magnetic field of the Earth connects to the magnetic field of the sun. These are observations by NASA, uh, by their Themis spacecraft, and Europe's cluster probes. And their uh, scientific observations that they've made on these, these readings that they've captured, uh, actually suggest that these magnetic portals open and close dozens of times a day. So this is not just, you know, something spawning off every once in a blue moon. These happen all the time. Uh, Most of them are, yes, they're small and short-lived. Others are very large and they last a long time. So numerous uh, particles flow in and out of these portals. They heat up the Earth's upper atmosphere, and they actually spark the aurora borealis, or well, depending on which side of the planet you're on, they they spark off the the various auroras. So um, or geomagnetic storms, however you want to to call them. So this is something that actually happens naturally in our right outside of Earth, like I said. So it begs to question, okay, so if these are portals that are actually happening right here, right outside our door, if there is a space-faring civilization out there that knows how to utilize these portals, is that how they're traveling here? Now, a lot of times when I talk about portal activity uh usually it's in regards to something here on earth i talk a lot about the uh, telluric currents on the planet i talk a lot about vortices you know basically that energy welling up from the earth's core the magnetic energy welling up from the earth's core which spawns off a lot of these different portals supernatural phenomena the uh you know, the different triangle areas of the world, like the Bermuda Triangle, Alaska Triangle, Bridgewater Triangle, Dragon Triangle, you know, they're all over the place. Um, there is, you know, like the forest in Romania that has all the crazy activity uh, uh, going on within it. You know, that, uh, you know, certainly has a vortex energy welling up from there and spawning off all kinds of uh, interesting phenomenon. So that's usually the the way in which I talk about it. And that that usually leads into the discussion of paranormal activity happening at that location. Talk about shadow activity happening at that location. Is that how some of these shadow entities uh, come into being? Are they using that to to spawn? Um, Time slips, Is, is that how... Uh, these things happen is because of that vortex synergy. We actually get into this in the Shadow Dimension docuseries that's coming up here this spring. I know spring's just around the corner. Um, I'm saying, uh, you know, probably in April, Nicole's asking, are those kind of like Stargates? That's where I'm going with this, Nicole. Uh, I'm I'm actually taking this the route of Stargates. So if... You know, those portals out just outside of Earth, uh, if you can access those from some other location in the universe to arrive here, say, with your spacecraft, why couldn't you then use a portal that's here on Earth, harness it with something like a Stargate, to project yourself out into another place in the universe? uh it makes sense to me that this would be a way for you to walk right through yes you by all means go ahead and think of the movie stargate walk right through and end up on another planet somewhere you know perhaps and perhaps this is the way it works you know you have terrestrial ones that you're able to harness the energy and and use it that way or perhaps if you're traversing the universe in a spacecraft you're able to use those ones outside the planet and so Different modes of transportation here that some of these different beings could be using to get here. I do want to get into uh, some of these different beings and entities. And as a segue, because we are talking about portals and portal activity here. As a segue into that, I do want to talk about, briefly, Atlantis. I posed this question last year and actually i threw it at johnny enoch the first time we had him on the show uh, was atlantis a giant portal this is an interesting for those watching the live stream this is an interesting artist uh, interpretation of uh, the lost city of atlantis and you see like this beam going right up through the middle of the city as if they're using some sort of portal or energetic device there are a lot of legends and speculation about who the Atlanteans were and what happened to them. Um, and we'll get into a little bit of that. But if they did harness uh, uh, you know, this type of energy within their temple... Now, we do talk a lot about how the ancients knew so much more about how to use the different sites of power around the earth stonehenge the pyramids you know they were trying to harness this inner this earth energy they knew what to do with it how they could either use it for healing or how to enter altered states of consciousness now atlantis the the centerpiece of that is supposed to be you know the massive temple well what did what did they build most of these temples around the world on these type of power points you know, that have these nodes of energy. at that's, that's what so many temples, so many ancient sites of powers were built on top of. They knew how to do that. Well, Atlantis was supposed to be the top dog around the world in ancient times. So you have to imagine they had the, the biggest, best, and most energetic temple of them all. So my question, I can't exactly remember how Johnny worded it. Uh, I did put a video out in the summer kind of clipping that quote from him, whatever it was. I, I Like I said, I'm kind of shooting from the hip here tonight because I didn't get as much time as, as I wanted throughout the week to kind of get all my show notes together. Uh, but, you know, kind of the idea that they took things too far or they didn't fully understand the power that they were playing with. You know, maybe they were maybe they had a Stargate there, you know, right there in the middle of Atlantis, and they were using that to travel to and from you know, some of these different worlds. Maybe that's maybe that's how you know some of these different beings came to exist on Earth was through a portal or something like this that they had established, a Stargate perhaps on Atlantis. But kind of like we get ourselves into trouble now with technology that we develop. Sometimes we take it a little too far before we fully understand how we need to safely use it. And, you know, maybe they blew themselves up essentially, you know, for, for lack of a, for lack of a gentler term, you know, maybe they just took things too far and accidentally annihilated themselves with a possible portal there in it, in Atlantis. So that's, so I throw that question out there on occasion. Was Atlantis a giant portal? Maybe, maybe. Nicole asks: Is it possible that these aliens or nephilims or whatnot could have created these portals? Could they have somehow infused the materials needed to create them? Good question. So, um, so let's say some of these beings that we're talking about this this evening certainly we're talking about uh, extraterrestrials to uh, some degree let's say they're from some other planet with more advanced technology than us obviously you know the original humans here we're not this is the way i I think it happened you know we 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 had some very basic beginnings we became very technologically savvy not with cell phones and computers it was a different type of technology that they had back then but still advanced and then something cataclysmic happened the knowledge was lost and we had to build ourselves back up and this probably happened several several times but some of this technology to be able to harness the energy because you look at some of these locations like the pyramids stonehenge whatever and they They almost seemingly come out of nowhere. Uh, Gobekli Tepe is another great example. They were supposed to, humans at that point in time were supposed to be hunter-gatherers. What in the world are they doing building this massive temple complex out in the middle of nowhere at a time when they were just roaming around? So did somebody else come along and, like Nicole asked, did they infuse some of these locations with that technology, or did they perhaps even give the people the know-how? Hey, this is how you want to set things up to be able to harness that energy. It's entirely possible that you know our hunter-gatherers had no clue from any of this, these things. You hear these stories about the shining ones. Uh, these are these, you know, tall, almost angelic people that arrive and show up and teach the common people uh, about these different technologies, these different, you know, ways to use tools. So the shining ones appear and end up showing them how to do many of these things. And, you know, it could be where the, with these shining ones, you know, were, were they angels, were they extraterrestrials, were they just, um, you know, a more advanced civilization here on earth some of them talk about um you know some people speculate that they were just you know taller humanoid peoples that had painted themselves with some sort of you know, metallic colored uh makeup or paint well maybe um or you know wearing some sort of oil to make themselves look like they shined maybe we don't exactly know who these shining ones were again a lot of speculation but they had some sort of ingenuity and some sort of know-how to uh, inject the people with at that time. They also would have interbred with them. Uh, and we hear some of these stories, like when we get into the stories of, of the Nephilim. You know, they, they come down from... We, we don't know, you know, we, you hear stories about, you know, where they fallen angels this is where people get into like demons and all that. Um, you know, some people talk about, you know, they're fallen angels or they were a giant race, uh, but they were, they were actually, you know, very, very tall people lived very long periods of time and their superiors or the gods or however you want to view the story, um, you know, basically admonished them for, for interbreeding with humans at that time because of the types of humans that were being generated or human hybrids that were being generated these these taller humans that weren't they were nephilim and they weren't quite human either so what exactly were they um and so this this gets into you know a lot of those uh stories from all sorts of different religions about you know the like the flood, you know, the flood was supposed to you know, wipe these you know crazy hybrids out, and you hear the flood stories from all parts of the world. The flood happened, uh, you know, that's 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 pretty much a given fact. You know, all these cultures talk about uh, about the flood happening, the deluge. Uh, when we talk about antediluvian times; those are pre-flood times, and you know, there's archaeological uh, and geological evidence. For the flood so that did happen uh the stories of the peoples that were around before the flood in the antediluvian times you have all these amazing stories of these interactions with these different types of people so who exactly were they or you talk to the the ancient astronaut theorists they'll tell you that they were aliens maybe maybe some of them were kind of don't know at this point so um Oh, Tom McNicholas is in the house. Hey, it was great to see you, Tom. I thought you were working tonight. And there's Victoria Monday. Uh, fantastic. Great to see uh, so many people in the house this evening. So Victoria Monday says there is a Star Trek episode where there was a strata, where there are strata dwellers in troglites. They, strata dwellers, being more evolved civilization, didn't live on the land, rather, above. What if Atlantis was like that, and that's why no evidence has been found on Earth? If um, they lived above the Earth rather than uh, on it. I mean, if they were an air civilization, I don't know. Um, it's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, in the stories. Really, really do, really do though center around that they were on Earth, that they were primarily you know, a water civilization, that they had their different concentric rings that made up their city. Now, what I believe about Atlanteans was it wasn't just the city. I think there was, you know, one there was a huge major city that was basically the capital of Atlantis. But there are other parts of that civilization that kind of made up you know, the country, or maybe even the continent, or, or what have you, and that spread out through other parts of the world. And when you hear of this fall of Atlantis, that it was, you know, basically their uh, their capital city that was destroyed, or uh, you know, was flooded during the deluge. Uh, or you know some other travesty that happened to us. Some people think you know it may have been a volcano, and then the you know city fell into uh, the ocean. A lot of different ideas and theories. Now I do believe that survivors from Atlantis made it to other parts of the world and influenced uh, different cultures. I, I do believe that uh, they greatly influenced the. Uh, the ancient Egyptians in that many of the ancient Egyptians were previously Atlanteans. You do see in uh, a lot of the Egyptian stories elements of that Atlantean culture and those Atlantean stories. I mean, that's where Plato got his story of Atlantis, what we have from Plato came from the Egyptians. So that's where that's where the stories originate. So there is some sort of connection there for sure. But you do see uh, a lot of other locations around the Mediterranean basin that make references to this, this other civilization that predated their own long, long ago. And a lot of their uh, symbolism is very interconnected and related. So they have some sort of common ancestry uh, and uh, this is where a lot of people believe it was Atlantean so uh, all right so let's kind of move on a little bit because I didn't want to uh, spend too much time on just atlantis itself but you know, but it is an it is a very interesting topic because I believe it it influences so many of our cultures that come out of that part of the world um as far as like this side of the world when it comes to a lot of people speculate i'll just throw this out there a lot of people speculate the bimini road um, you know was a part of atlantis well no it may have been part of a human structure or when sea levels were lower that uh, you know, it, it could have been you know its own island or whatever, and humans inhabited it. Uh, I don't believe it was actually Atlantis, but human origins, you know, I, I certainly believe that's that's on the table. So when we talk about the Nephilim and interbreeding with, uh, with humans and the results of that, you hear all the stories about the giants and you know not only do so many ancient cultures have stories of giants interwoven within their mythology there are also a number of discoveries of giant bones many many here in america actually but then we always wonder within well, where did they go you know, we have these uh tragic stories of the bones being taken to the Smithsonian and the Smithsonian saying, well, we don't know what happened to them. So there was, uh, and the name's going to escape me right now. It's like I said, I didn't get all my, uh, show notes together, unfortunately, before this, this evening. Uh, but the director of the Smithsonian back in the 1800s basically to him anything that was considered pre-columbian anything before Christopher Columbus was heathen you know was not christian and so therefore didn't count didn't count toward history you know it was only from columbus and on and then history before columbus was europe anything that actually happened here in america before columbus yeah didn't count so therefore anything that was actually discovered or uh you know like the the ancient mounds. so many of the ancient mound structures across america got decimated uh, plowed into farmland and the artifacts from those they didn't care which is very very unfortunate especially when it comes from a an institution that is supposed to be disciplined at keeping track of this history but uh, this is one of the unfortunate things that that has happened. So the same thing happened with many of these giant bone findings. They would be announced, they'd be discovered. There are some scant photographs, but you look through the old newspapers and you find all kinds of articles about these discoveries of large humans being discovered. There's a great book Um called giants on record so Jim Vieira Hugh Newman uh wrote this some years ago they had a uh they had a television show I think it was the only last once. to even search for the lost giants um and it's a pretty comprehensive book of all these different giant sightings that were actually reporting you know the, the bones being discovered and found so they did exist they did happen and What's interesting is that we are starting to come across some of these discoveries of larger humans today. And Victoria says, a lot of my dearest friends are heathen. Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And Sarah Jane, you say heathen like it's a bad thing. (laughs) Uh, You guys are funny. And, yeah, Tom, you make an interesting point. Drawings of, Atl- of Atlantis always wear futuristic clothing. I don't necessarily believe that they wore futuristic clothing. They they would have wore, I think they wore something, you know, certainly better than than cavemen, but, you know, something less than what what we're wearing today. I think a lot of people also depict them, if not futuristic, like space age. I think a lot of people also put them in, like, Greek clothing, probably the Plato influence. But, um all right, so what I wanted to get to here was uh, Denisovans. So two different pronunciations, Denisovans or Denisovans, however you want to say it. Um, I've heard it said both ways. So these are a, a people, recent discoveries here in uh, in Russia, like the Siberia uh, area, and they didn't grab the map. I would have shown you the, the map with the, the point with the cave Uh only really a handful of of these bones that have been found, but they are much larger humanoid people. They're not Homo sapiens sapiens. They're very different, and they are larger. Uh, from what they have discovered, they uh, researchers have said that there are 56 Denisovan anatomical features. That may have differed from humans or Neanderthals. Thirty-four of them in the skull. So this is the this is the jaw. Now this is to give you a better idea of comparison because from that that bone you're like okay that looks like you know maybe it's a jawbone, but here are the teeth. Uh, the Denisovan molar is you're looking at it. It's uh, at least twice as large as the human molar so these were bigger people now they don't go as far as to say that they were giants i think they're really kind of scared to say that uh, and they want what, what scientists want are more bones They want to find more remains uh, you know they they do make a point that hey if we if we dug up a know a regular homo sapien sapien today like if they dug up if somebody in the future dug up what you know robert wadlow and they just used that as their uh their example for a you know human anatomy well robert wadlow was you know the the largest human we have on record it would not be a good example of your average human and victoria says that's not a molar that's a side table yeah it's huge so they, they want to find more bones to say that, okay, these were a giant race of human-type people. Uh, but from what they have discovered so far, these were big people. So it leads us to wonder, okay, so if these were a giant race of, of humanoid beings and they were on the same continent the same landmass as uh you know some of these other humans that were living at the time and reporting seeing people like the shining ones uh, or just you know giant sightings in general were these those people you know these these taller these taller people now there's no evidence of you know the uh denisovans having you know warned the oil or shining paint or anything like that but they weren't too far from these other parts of the world that were making these sightings so could they possibly be remains of these people and you know of course it also begs the question what happened to them Uh, we do see you know like with neanderthals i mean neanderthals went extinct uh homo sapiens sapiens are basically the sole survivor of those different humanoid races. Uh, You know, Neanderthals went extinct. But there is a little bit of Neanderthal DNA that has made it into, you know, our current species. There are people walking around today that have some Neanderthal DNA because there was interbreeding. There were some kind of quote-unquote hybrids created there. So, you know, it kind of makes it kind of makes you wonder about that. And there are other, like, smaller ones that were found, too. You remember, like, the, the quote-unquote hobbits that were find, found on the island of Flores. Um, you know, they were, like, three to four feet tall. You know, they were not very tall. So we had different size humans uh, all around. You know, and what's interesting is that to find the connections from one race to another is very difficult we can draw connections to a couple of them we are totally separate they used to make that they used to make that uh connection that drawing that you know know, we were uh you know we we were these these apes before and then you know we kind of evolved out of that and we became neanderthals and then we grew out of that and became what we are now it's like no we're not there's no you know line like that for us we are our own thing and if you get into our DNA there's a connection there that was made a splicing I'm sorry a splicing that was made and reconnected that made us who we are that can't happen naturally in nature And so this is why a lot of people end up going down the route that we were genetically altered from something else and created into what we are now, so that we are actually a hybrid race out of another. So then the question is, who did this? Nicole Hobbit, so you mean fun-sized beans? Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was kind of the... Uh, the term that they use for that. I'll actually say this. So when it comes to like some of the smaller ones, um, you know, and this was stuff that when they first announced it, this was like back in 2003, when they first announced these discoveries, um, I got totally on the bandwagon of, well, this is where some of those legends come about, like, you know, like leprechauns. Um, You know, it just... It just kind of clicked to me. Okay, they were smaller human figures, right? Humanoid figures. Uh, we think of them in like the Irish lore today, but it makes sense to me that, okay, on their island, there were these smaller humanoid figures, you know, running around, interacting with them at times, and, you know, perhaps, you know, the normal humans. <laughs> didn't see them as often. They only saw them on occasion was because they were smaller. Maybe they were frightened they didn't interact with the populace as much. But they started coming up with the regular humans, started coming up with these different legends and lore and stories about these smaller humans that they saw running about doing their own thing. And eventually, those smaller beings died off and all you had left were the legend and lore. When it comes to uh, the island of Flores, in those you know, kind of quote-unquote Hobbit type people, you know, there are some local stories about uh, about those people and who they were and what they looked like, and they do admit to some interbreeding uh, between the regular humans and those and those smaller uh, humanoid people. So it, it's interesting. I think that a lot of our, you know, or at least some of our legend lore, could come out of these different sightings like that and so you know any of these reports of the giants well wouldn't that just be the same thing you know wouldn't wouldn't those stories have come from something that they would have actually seen and yeah over time legend and lore gets you know uh, put on top of it but you have the original grains of truth that go along uh, with all that so, Sarah Jane, the wee free men of, of Ireland and Scotland. Yeah. Uh, uh, Victoria says leprechauns are really picks. Okay. Yeah. Sarah Jane caveman protruding forehead, keeping it sexy. All right. All right. We are the missing link. Well, I think we are just our own thing. You know, we have not found that kind of quote unquote missing link ends, you know, with that DNA splice and reconnection, I don't think we're going to find that missing link. So then it leads you to wonder what happened. If we are a hybrid, what happened here? So we have these stories of you know, the Anunnaki. You know, the Anunnaki arrived here. They were basically gods back in ancient Sumer. You see a lot of similar stories in ancient Egypt. There may be some crossover there. You see similar stories even in South America. And there's some people that try to say, well, you know, Inky from Sumer was the same as, you know, Osiris in Egypt was the same as um, uh, like the Mexican, Quetzalcoatl, or the Mexican, Aztec, Quetzalcoatl. Um, You know, you see, you know, people transplanting one character from here to here to here. It may not actually be the same character guy what it could be is you know a similar experience with the same race of beings so inky over here like okay let's just throw out a hypothetical let's say let's say they're an alien race well you know they're exploring earth They settle down into different parts of the world. Ship one comes down in the Middle East. Ship two comes down into Africa. Ship three comes down into South America. So you have these stories that are similar because they're all experiencing this being from another world, but it's, you know, Joe over there in Sumer. They call him Inky. It's, uh, you you know, Biff there in... Egypt so they call him you know Osiris or whatever you know it's just it's just an example <laughs> um, so it could have been they were experiencing the same uh, life form had same you know the same qualities but an actual different person or as some people speculate it could have been all the same guy but I don't necessarily think it was the same guy. I think it was just a similar uh, either life form or supernatural entity. If we're talking about something that has traveled here from afar, and I'll get off the alien thing for now because— I don't necessarily think it was somebody that traveled here from, you know, in a spaceship and landed here, but they could have traveled here from another dimension if they would have utilized what we were talking about at the very beginning of the show. We were talking about the the portals and Nicole asked about the Stargates. Uh, They would have traveled here from another dimension to here and, you know, it's another world to explore. There are other peoples here. You know, were we, you know, a genetic test from some of these people? Possibly, possibly. You know, were they another version of ourselves? That's possible too. You know, there are a lot of ideas, and we talked about it a bit last week when we talked about our place in the universe. You know, did we come from another planet? You know, did we come from Mars? What about that planet between Mars and Jupiter Did we come from there possibly did we hop from one planet to another to another you know, think about the formation of uh, you know, of the solar system you know it it heats and cools so at some point Mars would have would have had more heat than it does now when it was first forming and it goes through a cool off period eventually everything's going to heat back up when the sun becomes a red giant so you have these different phases these different ebbs and flows that said could we have also okay from another planet could we have also just come from a different you on know, not universe well it could be a universe we're not going to get into that could we have come from a different galaxy entirely using one of these portals or stargates to arrive here you know, are we are we fleeing from some other catastrophe that happened elsewhere in the universe you know these these solar systems only last so long you know you know so many billions of years until they die and if there are if there's life Uh, in that solar system if it doesn't move elsewhere it's it's going to become extinct so you know are we survivors from somewhere else were these beings were they us in another form or did they possibly help us to come here maybe maybe let me see some of your uh questions here uh sarah jane enki no well enki (laughs) e-n-k-i a little different uh you guys are actually loving the alien topic all right all right and victoria had solar flares all week messed up my work. well and that's and see that's very interesting there as well with the solar flares uh something we don't take into account very much it does greatly affect every the sun is the greatest factor of anything that happens here on earth uh if you were to turn off the sun we'd instantly freeze you know that's (laughs) it's kind the sun's kind of a big deal to our survival here on the planet but it also throws uh that that solar wind at us which for the most part the uh you know the magnetism of the earth protects us from that but You know, you see uh, the aurora borealis, you know, that's, you know, the solar flare activity hitting us and it charges the atmosphere. We talked, and this is where that portal comes into play uh, just outside of earth. The solar flares play a huge, huge part in all of that. So do we harness somehow the sun to be able to make these portals happen I don't know. More often, or maybe we could regulate it. See, I don't want to play too much with the sun again, because the sun is the thing that makes us have life. It's the most important thing in the whole solar system. Our star. That's why when people start talking about you know darkening the sky or you know blotting out the sun to a degree, it's like, you know let's not mess with nature like that. That's probably a really really bad idea. Great example: The Matrix. You know, we're the ones that scorched the sky, and you know all life died. So, at least on the surface. Not cool. Uh, Victoria Monday, do you think we'll go and terraform another planet, Earth 2? We're going to have to. We absolutely have to. Now, we could get away with, for a while, terraforming some other planet here uh, in our solar system. Because as the, the sun becomes a red giant, it, as it expands... Uh, it will push the planets outward a little bit. Now, like I said last week, it will get to a point where it will push so far that, or it'll expand so far that it will expand farther than it would actually be pushing the planets outward and therefore encompass the Earth and destroy it. But as it's expanding, uh, the it will get so hot on Earth, you know, before it encompasses it that all the water will evaporate off the earth well that means other planets like mars uh of course you couldn't like be on jupiter but you know it has a lot of moons right (laughs) we could find maybe a moon around jupiter to inhabit for a while that because it it would be heating up as it expands so we might be able to hop from one rocket to another throughout the solar system until we figure out a way to get out of the solar system before the sun goes supernova. So there are baby steps, and that was kind of what I was talking about last week. Us going up into space now uh, with you know that that space hotel or going to Mars, trying to figure out more to do with the with the moon. These are our first initial baby steps to getting there because we are eventually going to have to do it. So basically. Yeah, at the beginning of the solar system, things were hotter. It cooled off a little bit. So, you know, again, we're kind of expanding and contracting. So, uh, you know, millions of years ago, you know, a place like Mars or what have you would have been more inhabitable. Um, you know, it also makes you wonder about Venus. You know, I, I'm really curious about the ancient origins of Venus. Very, very hard to get into Venus right now because of the severe, severe, severe electrical storms that happen there. So... There's a lot we still have to learn about the origins of just our solar system, plenty about the universe and the other inhabitants within that universe and how we might be able to travel from one part to another. We're going to have to figure it out. But I do believe we've been visited before. We are currently being visited. We will continue to get it visited, and there's technology there to learn how to do these things. To learn how to travel interdimensionally, and you know, I've mentioned a few times now us being hybrids that we've been genetically altered before. I believe one of these, uh, one of these beings, one of these civilizations uh, will probably come back here and teach us a little something about modifying that a little bit more, so that we can make these travels we may have been altered for our survivability here on this planet if we are surviving if we are survivors from some other place in the universe we had to be altered a little bit to to live here properly for us to go somewhere else we may have to be altered again so this may have to happen again we may have to be hybridized again So, uh, yeah, Victoria, isn't Venus a poisonous planet? It, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, just between the storms and the toxic fumes and all that, the volcanic activity, it's nasty. But I do wonder about the origins of, of that. You know, Was that a, uh, was it previously inhabitable? Or is it going through the motions right now to eventually become habitable for a period of time? Eventually, it will also be encompassed by the sun. Of course, uh, Sir James, wondering what's in the mug? That's that's coffee. <laughs> I'm just kind of wetting my whistle as I'm as I'm talking here. So, uh, Victoria, didn't the ant aliens take us underground? That's how we survived. Um, there's, there's there are the uh, there are those legends and lore about the like the ant people, the insectoids. Um, you know, that may have helped us at different times during our, uh, I guess, during other points in time in our history, and when different cataclysms were happening uh, around the world, that uh, that they had helped us out, taking us underground at certain points. Um, you know, those are especially, you know, you hear a lot of those stories, especially in, in the American Southwest, about these types of uh, entities that that have been here on earth. So that's a that's another one and I know Victoria likes to talk about hollow earth and I do believe that there are large chasms underground not necessarily that you know the earth is completely hollow they've um you know they've done a lot to show of course you know without actually boring into the center of the earth um to know for sure but with with their uh you know, with their tests penetrating into the ground um you know they are able to determine with some degree of of certainty that okay we have a molten core it has different layers although there has been a recent um some recent testing which is like well we think there's actually another layer down there but it's just kind of a different layer of molten activity down there um it's kind of interesting uh So, Sarah Jane, just a thought, not to debate. With interesting pandemics every 100 years or so, perhaps that's our our modifying, taking time to stabilize us before the next step. Victoria, I've heard theories that it's a thinning of the herd. Um, Well, you know, in some ways, that's also nature. So, I mean, you see this with with different animal species around the world. If um, you have this kind of parabola. Effect Right. So. uh, You look at different groupings of animals and as they increase, 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 increase in population, it hits a point where the environment can no longer sustain that high of a population of that animal. And then it drops off. Um, They'll either starve, they'll get sick. Um, A lot of different factors come into play as to what happens to them, but they they hit a maximum. And then they drop off. We as humans don't necessarily know where our maximum is, do we? Um, you know, we have done many things to be able to sustain a high population between the way we come together and, uh, you know, produce our food and produce a survivability, you know, with, our, with the infrastructure that we've put into place. So we've, we've been rising up this parabola. Where's the drop off? Uh, in in other times in our history we hit that peak right and then you know like the black plague came about and we dropped you know there are different things that happen you know, thinning the herd is kind of uh, I guess a in, not a politically correct way to say it but um, yeah nature does do some things at times to to do that sort of thing that we, we have too much over here and so It'll take it out. We as humans want to maintain our survivability. Uh, you know, we don't we don't want people to die. We have you know a compassion for other people. Uh, you know, so you know, we so that's what we do. You know, people get sick. We want to try to take care of them. We want people to be able to live. Uh, a lot of these people are our loved ones, uh, so we want to do things to to help out, and you know have a productive society but it's only sustainable for so much you know at some point you outgrow that infrastructure um yeah there we've talked about this you know last week too where you know at some point we need to figure out getting off the planet we talked a little bit earlier in in this particular episode too getting off the planet because this this planet here will only support so much you can only cram so many people in there and you can't say that well you know given all the land mass we can figure it out it's like well yeah but who wants to live at the north pole you know who wants to live on the side of a mountain who wants to live out in the out in the desert and and it's not just that you have to be able to grow the food to be able to sustain all of these people too so if you're expanding all of these cities and you're stretching out into all these locations you're shrinking your farmland to be able to grow the food to sustain all of those people Um, to to sustain an increasing population you need to increase your farmland but instead of increasing our farmland to increase the growing population we're actually decreasing our farmland something's gonna give unless we do something like get off the planet and not just throwing you know people out into space but uh, we would have to develop ways out in space to grow food out there as well to sustain those people that go out there, which is why scientists do tests uh, in space in relation to uh, growing plants and growing food out in space so we can figure that out. So, all right. Um, and Victoria, yeah, me love the desert. I, I, I get that, some people really do, but um, it, it's it's hard to grow stuff out there And um, if you lost your air conditioning, you'd roast. So, you know, you have to make sure all of that stuff happens to be able to to survive out there. So, I don't know. All right. Um, Where are we at here with time? We're getting down towards the end of the show here. Um, What other topics did I not hit? We talked extraterrestrials, Nephilim, Giants, Atlanteans. Briefly, Anunnaki. Um, Shadow entities. I mean, it's, it's all kind of related. A lot of these shadow entities are, you know, the, the interdimensional beings. We've done entire shows on them, but I, you know, threw it in there as a note that, um, you know, some of these, you know, traveling back and forth uh, between dimensions, these watchers, you know, are they, in, in some ways, I almost think that some of these interdimensional beings may be us, that they're, they're watching us and observing us to determine when is that right time to come back and intervene again. Um you know, if that's not going to be all shadow entities. Uh, you know, we don't, we can't just compartmentalize, you know, this is what a shadow person is. There's all kinds of different types of shadow entities. But some of them I do believe, you know, are us from another dimension coming here and watching and observing us. Same with some of these ET sightings. I think some of them are really just us. Um, but what we end up relating it to is it's an extraterrestrial. Yeah, it might even just be us from another dimension time another point in time and whatever it is they're trying to to figure out with us i think they're kind of waiting for the time what's the right moment that we're going to not really intervene but okay here's the next piece of information that you need to to carry on like you guys are you know you know, developing your stuff you're doing all right here you're doing all right there oh you made a mistake over there and then at some point they kind of you know like a guide really you know you, you you want when you're trying to teach somebody trying to get somebody to learn you don't just give them all the answers you know you give them hints and clues and you let them figure it out for themselves right so I think that's a, a lot of what's going on here is you know sometimes we're giving some hints and we're giving some clues maybe a little nudge and yeah, yeah, let me give you a little piece of information over here that, that might help. And it was like, oh, okay, awesome, we got that. And we progress a little bit more. We have to learn it on our own. Just you know, a little nudging and guiding sometimes. Um, you know, I also had uh, noted down here gods and goddesses. The gods and goddesses from like our ancient mythology, I mean, they're, they're archetypes really of, um, you know, or other... Uh, variations of the stories that have been passed down through time of these of these entities that we interacted with before long ago in ancient times, so it's kind of part and parcel with uh, you know, with the Anunnaki in, in in those stories and legends. Uh, so, Victoria, why did the space telescope stop transmitting the other day? I missed that one. Which telescope was it? Because there are there are several of them. All right, and I think that we're probably gonna wrap it up about here. Um, a lot of interesting things that we covered within this uh, particular episode. Uh, kind of fun to talk about. Kind of fun to theorize and you know get into portals and interdimensional beings and stargates and you know giants and all that we kind of did a smattering of it all which is uh which is kind of fun so uh gotta thank nicole for uh you know she nudged me a little bit on this one because the other day you know like i said it's been kind of a busy week and it's like you know i had an extra day to prepare kind of uh with with having to push this off to today you know like man i don't even know what to talk about yet so she kind of you know threw some suggestions out here and i was like okay <laughs> so she kind of nudged me in this direction which was great all right everybody thank you so much for watching beyond the shadows for those who are listening to the podcast later thank you very much also, for those uh, who are subscribed to the ConnectedUniversePortal.com, which is everybody who's actually watching this, and if you're just listening, why haven't you signed up yet? I did post the question for the monthly Q&A out there on the uh, community forums, so go ahead, check out that topic throw your questions down in there and I'll get that. uh, I'll get those worked into the monthly Q and a video that will be posted before uh, the end of the month. So you guys had some great questions last time. Couldn't do them all uh, because there were just, you know, so many of them, uh, which was wonderful. I love getting a a lot of questions from you guys. And uh, yeah, so looking forward to some more great questions for that monthly Q and a here in March. That'll do it. Everybody have a, great rest of the week. Enjoy your weekend. Till next time.